Hey there, Pastor Mark Jordan here from Hope Church. Thank you for stopping by and welcome to our online ministry. While you're here, make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all the content that's released. And while you're online, visit us at our webpage at placeofhope.org. Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him. And we hope that this message today is helpful and inspiring for you as you continue to take your next step on your faith journey. Once again, thanks for visiting us and make sure to check us out at placeofhope.org. Well, good morning. I sure am glad to see everybody here. I know that it is the first Sunday in the winter break for our local school. So if you happen to be worshiping with us online, a very warm and special welcome to you. And we're glad everybody is here as we bring our journey through the book of Galatians to its conclusion with our message from Galatians chapter 6. This would be a good time, if you haven't done so already, to pull out your follow-along notes if you were so inclined. They're available on the Hope Church Plus app, very top card. You can find them on our Hope Church uh, website, placeofhope.org, and they are, for those who are here in the facility, inserted inside your info guide. That bumper video that we used is, uh, came from the He Gets Us campaign. Anyone heard of that? It's interesting how, um, it's interesting how it's kind of developed over the last uh, week or so with some of the commercials they put out on the Super Bowl. Uh, I wasn't really aware of it until the Super Bowl came around, and uh, it was interesting how I started noticing some criticisms about the He Gets Us campaign. Uh, it started with people who may lean more toward uh, a progressive approach to theological concepts. And then by the next day, I saw criticisms from those who follow more of a traditional or conservative approach. And I was like, well, this is really fascinating. I wonder if I should not show the video on Sunday morning. I was like, well, why, would I, why would I do that? Uh, because it seems to me that if it's controversial to everybody, then maybe something we need to look at. Maybe something we need to consider. And I really like this one in particular. There's some that uh, I have some theological issues with, others that I think are really, really good. Uh, but this one was one that really struck to me about, struck to me, listen to me, but stuck out to me about how Jesus' love is never artificial. Jesus meets us where we are, in our lowest, most despondent spots. All too often, we feel like we have to earn the love of God. There's nothing you can do to earn God's love. If you do not believe that, at least file it in your mind so you can begin to explore and discover what it means to be fully loved by God because you cannot earn it. God loves you because he created you. He made you. He loves you also because of who he is. And so when we think about the reality and the power of God's love. It brings us back to the meaning of the gospel in its entirety. That God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whoever should believe in him should not perish, but have life everlasting. The gospel message teaches us that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the love of God. And God loves us so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die for your sins, to remove that barrier, because God would rather have taken the nails and the torment of crucifixion than to imagine an eternity without you in it. And if you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, he forgives you of your sins and removes your sins from you as far as the east is from the west. And he gives you the opportunity and the invitation and the access to have a complete and full love of God throughout all of eternity. Friends, that is the gospel message. Did the commercials go far enough to display that? I don't know. I don't think so in many cases. 
But the love of God is integral to who it is that we are and how we live our lives as followers of Jesus. That does not mean that we are always going to be perfect. Not at all. We so frequently fall short, even after we have accepted Jesus' offer of salvation through the forgiveness of our sins, we so frequently fall short. Does that mean that God throws us out? No. God gives us the opportunities to continue to come to him in authenticity, in a unique relationship that says, even though I seem to fall so far short, God still loves me, and God still wants to be in that saving relationship. The same is true for every single person in this room. Every single person who hears this message, whether it's in the space, on the live stream, or later in the week, either on uh, archive through Facebook or YouTube or podcast, that love of God is available for you. And there are no stepping stones that turn into stumbling blocks to get you from your confession of needing a Savior and to the saving act of God through Jesus Christ. And friends, that is the message in its entirety of the book of Galatians. And we're going to look at that a little more closely today in terms of how we can live into this relationship. Now, to have a really quick uh, catch up how we got here to today from last week, you'll see that last week we talked about uh, two basically essential items. The first is that we are called to be led by and keep in step with the Spirit. To be led by and keep in step with the Spirit. How the Spirit is leading us, but is also prodding us. God is essentially hemming us in with His loving Spirit that again leads us in the front, but prods us in the back and keeps us going all the days of our life. And the second point of that comes down to how self-control is needed to live in the faith and the love connection. That faith and love connection is going to be vitally important as we move forward today. So I want to remind you what it is. Faith is that belief that God is real. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sins. And when you accept his, offer, his uh, lordship over your life and his offer of salvation, then you are saved. That's the faith. We believe that Jesus is God's one and only son, and he died from your sins, and God raised him from the grave. And love is that animating force that moves us and propels us into the world. We've got to have that faith and love connection. But you'll see the first two words, or hyphenated word at the very beginning of that second point, is self-control is essential. We looked last week at how there are some parallels that the Apostle Paul mentioned, talking about how people before Christ are having the Spirit in their lives lack that impulse control, lack that self-control. And when we allow the Spirit to lead us and to prod us, we are given the spontaneous gifts of the Spirit— one of the keys of which, of course, is self-control. And so we have to realize that our own fallen nature that continues to tempt us and call us into sinful living must be balanced or counterweighted with the fact that God's Spirit is constantly leading us and prodding us and teaching us to have self-control so that we can live in the world in spite of our fallen nature and represent Christ wherever we go. And here's one of the beautiful things about it. The world seems to have this expectations that Christians believe that they are perfect. They're not. You ever seen that bumper sticker? I'm not perfect, just forgiven? That's the way that we are called to live. And even in our perfectly imperfect nature, hear that correctly, even in our perfectly imperfect nature, we are called to strive to be better, to do better. Not for our sake, but for the sake of the Lord who gave his life that you and I might live. That's how we find ourselves getting into Galatians chapter 6. 
So let's read our passage for today, which comes from the sixth chapter of Galatians, the first five verses that I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning. And this is what the Apostle Paul wrote. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome, remember that word, by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Let the sting just set in there for a second, right? Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. This is the word of God for God's people. Let's give thanks to God. Amen? All right, we want to break this down into three simple sections. The first is I want us to consider what it means to be overcome. Now, the way that this translates from the Greek is it means to be caught off guard, a slip, and not a deliberate sin. So when Paul writes about not being overcome by, so sin, by some sin, what he's talking about specifically is what it means to be caught off guard, to slip like you're walking on a slippery pathway or some ice or something, and you're not deliberately giving in to that temptation to sin. Okay? So I think that's a very important thing for us to bear in mind because it does bring us back to that idea of impulse control that we talked about last week. Because Paul wrote, if you see someone who is slipping into sin, gently and helpfully try to restore them. Now, this is one of the areas where I think sometimes people of faith have gotten it wrong. We aren't always gentle. We aren't always helpful. But this is the call and the commandment for every single one of us who have faith in Jesus. And the reason comes back to when we think about self-control and helping others, comes down to this word, overcome overcome when i was a youth and then when i was a youth pastor i used this illustration you have someone stand in a chair and you ask is it easier to pull somebody up or to pull someone down what do you think the answer is easier to pull someone down that's the reality that when we see someone succumbing to temptation and falling into sin or shall we say being overcome by sin there's something that works within our human psyche, our psychology, that says, well, if you can't beat them, join them, right? And so we allow ourselves to be tempted to do things that we might not do under our own self-control, with our own impulse control. And see, the, and the other side of it works also equally well for those who move beyond just slipping into sin and have succumbed to sin. Misery likes company, Right? And so if you're doing something wrong, you want to get someone to go along with you because by so doing, it helps to validate your own slippage, your own falling, your own being overcome. And so the second part of this that you see on the screen there says, be careful so you don't slip. Be careful so you don't slip. Now the way that this pulls itself together when you look at it in the original languages, the ancient languages, is it isn't so much the idea of is it easier to pull someone up or down from a stool, but it speaks more specifically about how a caregiver might fall ill providing care for a loved one. 
That's more of the idea that Paul gives. It's something that you don't necessarily control. Think about the last time you had a sickness run rampant through your house, right? The first person that gets it falls on everybody else is praying, oh, Lord, please don't let it be me, right? And then it begins to go through the house. And it happens through very simple, gentle ways, like maybe you're bringing tissues or a wastebasket to throw old tissues in. Maybe you're providing chicken soup that's not just good for the body, it's also good for the soul, right? If you remember those books. And before you know it, all the air circulation and all the care, the TLC in the world will allow you also to fall ill to those germs and viruses and things. That's the type of care that when the Apostle Paul is writing, be careful that you do not be overcome by sin. That's what he's talking about. Is our well-intentioned efforts and our energies that we give to trying to be nice to people, to be kind to people, to be gracious, to be generous. But how easy it is with our human psychology to fall victim because it's easier for us to slip than it is for us to stand and to stand strong. Are you with me on that? But Paul has something else that's very, very interesting to say that brings a really nice jagged ribbon to tie this up on a bow, right? <laughs> What a visual. Let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse 21, where Paul would later write, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Paul is essentially talking about the same thing here, is how easy is it for us to be overcome by evil when we are trying our best to not slip and fall. Think about the last time you allowed yourself to be overcome by something evil. Was it gossip? Was it a lie? Was it gluttony? Was it by eating too much? Drinking too much? By looking at a site? Or a place where you shouldn't have been? You may not have intended to go there. But part of our psyche says, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to go all the way. Martin Luther, who started the Protestant Reformation, is... Quoted as saying, whether it's a tree building or not, for sure. He said, if you're going to sin, sin boldly. And so often we say, that's a really good idea. I'm going to jump in with both feet. If I'm going to succumb, I'm going to get the most out of it. But the problem is, is that when we do that, if we are not careful, we are taking God's grace for granted. And then we succumb to far greater slippage. But we can overcome evil with good. And friends, that is one of the things that as we see this come back around, we must absolutely, 100% authentically not forget this point. We look around us and our culture, our world, our society is in shambles. And there may be a temptation to just step back and say, I'm not even going to try anymore. Or even worse, if you can't beat them, join them. That's not what the apostle would say for us to do. He would say we must continue to do the work and the act of Christ. Even though the world may be spitting in the face of people of faith, we must continue to represent Jesus and to point people to Jesus with our lives. In our church, in our workplace, like what Matt talked about, in the schools, in the places where we play, we recreate, where we shop, we must strive to be overcomers. 
Because love always wins. Love overcomes. And when we strive to love like God loves with all we have, with all we are, and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves, then we find good still conquers evil. This brings us to our second point in our message for today, which is burden-bearing. Now, of course, the Apostle Paul wrote in verse 2 that we are to share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Now, you see it on the screen. What is the law of Christ? It is to love. Look at these verses in John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. So now I am giving you a new commandment. This is Jesus speaking shortly before he goes to the cross. Love each other just as I have loved you. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So we see all kinds of junk in the world. We see all kinds of evil. We need honest, authentic, real, raw love to approach and to attack the difficulties and the struggles that we see. That's how we're going to overcome evil. That's how we're going to bring good back into the world. When we let our light so shine, as Matt talked about. When we allow our love for Christ to create and to shape and to motivate our worldview so that we are proving not just who we are, but whose we are in the way that we continue to stand up to all the decay and the corruption in our world around us. We prove who we are and whose we are based on how we love to fulfill that law of Christ. And Paul says, he writes, you do this by helping others bear their burdens by helping others bear their burdens there are two ways to see burdens the first way is a heavy load that someone must carry think about someone who you know in your life right now maybe that's your spouse or child or parent Maybe it's a coworker. maybe it's someone in the church, maybe it's someone you go to school with. Think about someone who is carrying an awfully heavy load. Oftentimes we see some of these dramatically heavy loads. We think about, I sure am glad that's not me having to carry that. But the reality is, is that we are called to help someone I'm moved this weekend by the news that former President Jimmy Carter is in his last days. And I got to meet uh, former President Carter when I was a student at Emory and Seminary. And he came and spoke to one of the classes I attended. And uh, it was one of those days where the, and he got, at this point he had a very small Secret Service detail. But the Secret Service came in and they swept the lecture hall where he was going to be giving his talk. And I, I was right there, first of the line. And Well, President, I said, I didn't mean that, but President Carter, he's shorter than I am. He walked right by and he was like, good afternoon. And I was like, wow. This may be the only time I have a face-to-face encounter with someone of such roles and responsibilities. And President Carter talked about our responsibility from politics to religion and everything in between to love and care for other people. He lived that out in his post-presidential life, didn't he? Habitat for Humanity, teaching Sunday school, move politics out of it, and you see a man who strived to live what he believed 
And I think we are all called to look at that example and say, may we so order our lives as well to find ways from politics to religion and everything in between to make our life a living example of someone who strives to bear and help others carry their burdens. What burdens do you see from someone in your own life who need help carrying and bearing that burden? None of us are free from burdens ourselves, are we? That's the second point, is we all have a heavy load that we have to carry ourselves, right? It's interesting to think about how so frequently when someone comes and brings a struggle to me, it's almost always brought with a caveat that says, well, I know there are other people who are dealing with far worse than I am. And I will almost always say, yeah, you're right. But your baggage is your baggage. If this is the load that you are being called to carry right now, don't minimize it. Realize that there is a lesson in this that God is trying and seeking to get you to learn and to know. Because, friends, guess what? This is what fulfills the law of Christ. To help someone bear and carry their burdens. You have burdens. I have burdens. We have burdens together. I can almost write a children's song about that, right? We all have burdens that we have to bear and carry and share. But you know something interesting as Jesus was preaching and teaching, he talked about how he himself was a burden bearer. Maybe you've heard where Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, yoke up with me, for my burden is light. Jesus takes the burden of the entire world, but the strength that he has in the love of God means every single person's burden in the world is light for someone who has the strength of the creative and the sustaining and the redeeming God. There is no burden that is too strong or too heavy or too big for Jesus to bear. And what Jesus is going to do as we yoke up our lives with him is he is going to help us bear that burden that we share with him and that we share with other people. Yoking, not yolk like in an egg, yolk as in husbandry, right? Probably learned about this, Paul Bunyan's ox or something, right, in school. A yoke is something where you harness the combined energy of two separate animals, whether it's a horse or mule or an ox or something along those lines, and you harness them together, and together they are able to accomplish far more than they could individually of each other. I forget what the ratio is, but that power-sharing ratio is when you harness animals together, they are able to fill and fulfill the task far more powerfully than they could individually of each other. Same number of animals, unyoked, are able to accomplish far less Yoked. It's an amazing concept. But Jesus is giving us this image. He says, my burden is light. Yoke up with me. And I'm going to yoke up with somebody else. And what we know before we know it is that all of us are able to accomplish far more than we ever could on our own. This is known as synergy. And it's what happens when we worship together, when we work together, when we serve together, when we pray together, when we play together. Is the whole becomes greater 
than the sum of its parts. So even though we may in this room be, what, 10, 12,000 people here today? Maybe a little lower after all it is winter break week. When all of us bring our energy together with Christ, collectively we do infinitely more than what all of us could do independently and individually. This is the mystery of faith. And then we do that. There's something else that emerges about the beauty of the burden. God transforms the burden. God changes the way that you and I and all of us see and experience the burden. How so, Pastor Bar? Oh, I'm glad you asked, because this is awesome. What God does is he takes a burden that we have in our life and he transforms it from something that weighs us down or holds it back into something that propels us forward. That's the transformation of a burden. The way that it works is you may have a yearning and you may feel a broken heart about, say, children at risk or in need. And when we yoke up with Christ, we realize somebody should do something turns into Yes, somebody is you. Oh, I want to come forward. I want to help feed hungry children on the weekends who may not eat from lunch on Friday until breakfast on Monday. And next thing you know, a burden's like, oh, someone should do something about the hungry children in our community. Hope Church ends up sending out 75 weekend snack packs a week to feed children who are hungry and in need. That's burden transformation, my friends. This is what happens when we say somebody should do something about the children who are orphans and are undermedicated and underhoused in Africa. And next thing you know, a ministry like Lit 2540 Love Shirts that you see, thousands and thousands and millions and millions of meals are produced and distributed to feed and medicate and house orphans across the world. It's a burden transformation. What burden do you feel? What burden does God want to transform in your life? That when you bring it to God and you bring it to the mindset and the knowledge of God's body known as the church, and we yoke our lives up with him, that says, no, get ready. Because your faith in me that I can move mountains, activated and motivated by my love for you and the love I'm calling you to have for the world, you're about to go through a burden transformation. God wants to transform your burdens into something that holds you back into something that motivates you and activates you in the love of Christ to help him in his work to transform the world. And so this is how it works. Through your work. That's the third point. This works through your work. Work in accordance with God's plan and purpose for your life. This comes back to verse 4 where Paul wrote, be careful or pay careful attention to your own work For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are all responsible for our own conduct. God created you with a very specific and unique unique design for your life. For those burdens that motivate you and propel you forward. And what Paul, through the scripture, and by God through Paul in the scripture, I should better say, wants to accomplish in your life is to find those areas where you yourself are burdened, but you can do something in your own work to help change the world beginning in your own backyard. 
it's easy for us to get into competing and comparing, right? Say, my burden may not be as heavy as somebody else's. My ability to work may not be as dramatic or dynamic as somebody else's. The scripture says, perish those thoughts because God has created you with a unique design for your life that when you give it over to him and you live into that love, you find that faith and love connection that calls you into realizing you can overcome evil with the good work that you do by helping other people bear their burdens. Your work can move forward into the world and change the world by the power of Christ. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 58. Paul wrote, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the what? The work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. God is calling you to recognize those areas where you can be overcome by sin and evil. But to instill within you the knowledge that when you give your life over to Christ, he is going to impart his love and his power that will enable you when you go back out into the world and you let your light so shine to do what? To overcome that evil with good. It may seem small. It may seem seemingly insignificant. But what this says is that nothing is ever done in vain when it's done for the Lord. And so Paul says, stand firm. Watch your footing. Do not slip. Do not allow your life to be overcome by anything but the love of God you in Jesus Christ. And so my friends, as we bring this journey through Galatians to a close, remember these three points from these five basic, simple verses. It's how easy it is for us to overcome if we do not allow that self-control from God to activate and motivate our faith and our love connection. And yet, love overcomes evil. It always has and it always will, just as light overcomes darkness. We cannot sequester ourselves. We must step up and step out in that love of God for Jesus Christ. That's how we overcome the darkness and the evil and the corruption in the world. We're going to have burdens in our life. We have to help other people bear their burdens and allow their support and their work to help us bear ours as well. But there's no greater burden-bearing power than Jesus Christ himself. And so when we allow our work through harnessing all of our energy and all of our strength to be given over to God. Our work is never done in vain. And so with all of the junk that we see around us, I want to ask you, my friends, to stand firm. Let's keep working for the Lord God under the power and the love of God's one and only Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. May we stand firm and know that no matter what we do, regardless of how seemingly insignificant it might be, is never done in vain when it's done for Jesus. He has sealed your adoption and place in God's family with his blood. And he is calling us to remember what he did for us in that crucified Christ. So that as we all bring our interests and our burdens together, we give them over to God. He is going to transform our lives, and use our lives to transform the world, if only we will let him. So will you? Will you let him transform your life? Will you allow him to yoke you together with Christ and with others to use your life to help God transform the world? My dear friends, I pray so. That's how we're going to overcome 
never quit. Pray with me, please. Living and loving God, I thank you for today, and I thank you for this awesome letter that we know as the book of Galatians. I think back to all of the things that we've discussed and we've explored through this six-week journey, and we are called to remember, Lord, that you want that open, saving relationship with us. Forgive us when we try to make it about more than our sin and our need of a Savior and your forgiving power that brings us through whatever that we've gone through so that we can know that we are going through the rest of our lives and into eternity with you. And so, Lord God, help us to behold you in the crucified form, but also to know that that love in which you your son for us empowers us to help overcome the wretchedness that we see in the world around us by the power of your love. And so may we see our own burden and the burden of others as an opportunity, Lord, to harness our collective energy with you, that by powering or empowering our lives with your love, that we are able to accomplish far more than we could ever do on our own. And so, Lord God, as we open our eyes, may we see the work that you have in store for us today. It may seem massive, it may seem minuscule, but whatever it is, Lord God, when we do it for you, it is never done in vain. So help us to stand firm, to not slip, to not be overcome by anything other than your love so that we can be bearers of that message to overcome in the world around us. I ask this in the name of your Son and our Savior Jesus, for it is in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We are glad that you stopped by. Again, we want to encourage you to visit us online at placeofhope.org. If you're in the Paulding County area there, you can get service times, directions, and information about all of our awesome activities for children, for students, and for adults. Again, Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for him, and we hope to provide you the heart fuel you need to follow Jesus. Thanks again.